Talk Property with Ian Collins. Hello and welcome to Talk Property, the UK's number one property podcast coming up on today's episode. We're all faced with some sort of cost of living crisis, some sort of inflation shock. And the shocks I mentioned, they are universal. They're not specific to the UK. And this. It has been one thing after another for for landlords, I think. They feel quite bruised by it. And and I say for some of them, enough is enough. All of that and more on the way. Talk Property with Ian Collins. Brought to you by Property Notify, the UK's leading source of property sector news. Are you a landlord, investor, or thinking about getting into property? If so, then the National Landlord Investment Show is perfect for you. Attend our free one-day events across the UK and immerse yourself in an environment rich in property-based information, services and opportunities to grow your portfolio. Whether you're interested in landlord tax advice, finance, legal issues, insurance, investment opportunities, or the latest prop tech, you'll find everything you could ever need at our shows. For more information and to register for your free show tickets, visit landlordinvestmentshow.co.uk. National Landlord Investment Show, the UK's number one landlord and property investment exhibition. Uh, Let's meet our guest for this episode. He is David Smith, Economics Editor at The Sunday Times. David, hello to you. Hello to you, Ian. What a time to work in economics in whatever capacity. Arguably no more interesting phase of the human journey in the last 20 years than where we are right now. It's been fantastic. And uh, I sometimes describe the... um, the events, the shocks we've had over the past few years as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So we've had the uh, financial crisis, then we had Brexit and the Trump trade wars, then we had the pandemic, and now we're still living with the Russian invasion of Ukraine. All big events, some of them once-in-a-hundred-year events like the pandemic and the financial crisis. And to get two of those in the space of 15 years is yeah. uh, is quite something. Uh, absolutely. And it's a, it's the knock-on effect factor, isn't it? The, you know, the butterfly flapping its wings moment when, you know, something that happens on the other side of the world has massive ramifications for a, a man who owns a one-off property that he rents out in real. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the things you um, you don't really, you know, you, you think back to the... Uh, the start of the uh, pandemic, and uh, we saw that something was happening in China. I don't think anybody expected that we would see yeah. lockdowns in Europe and the kind of effects on our economy and, as you say, everybody in the economy, including uh, including people who own property for rent and so on. So it's uh, it is one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll come on to things like interest rates and uh, and all, all of the factors in that world in just a moment. But broadly speaking, how? And this often depends on who you listen to politically. Keir Starmer, for example, will tell one story about the economy. It's all down to the lousy Conservatives and how they've run things for the last uh, 13 years. And, of course, the Conservatives will say, no, hang on, this is a global thing. If you look to France and Germany and our nearest neighbours and the like, there are similar things going on. What is the uh, objective truth of where we are at as a country? I think the the objective truth is that we are um, we're bumping along at the moment. You know, we haven't really had any growth for the last twelve months. If you look at um, the broadest measure we've got, which is GDP, uh, roughly speaking, it was the, it was the same in December as a year mm-hmm. earlier. So so last year was pretty flat, and I think this year will be um, will be flat to slightly up. I think we you know I think we're now moving through the uh, 
through the fears of a big recession. You know, I, I always think of recessions a bit like London buses, but uh, well, not like London buses. You don't get two coming along at once. And we had, as you know, Ian, a, bit, a very big one in 2020 as a result of the pandemic and lockdown. So, yeah. so I think it's a it's a it's a broadly flat picture. I think the embarrassment for those of us who um, who would hope that the UK economy was doing well is that we're still below pre-pandemic levels and yeah. most other countries are not you know they're above those those pre-pandemic levels but but that will change over time i mean we as you say we're all faced with some sort of cost of living crisis some sort of inflation shock and the shocks i mentioned they are universal you know they're not yeah. apart from brexit uh, they're not specific to the uk but we keep avoiding this recession thing right officially speaking in it, we swerve it, we, we kind of circumnavigate it, we think it's going to go down this much and it doesn't. So, so we are, we're not officially in one, is that right? Exactly, yeah. The, the definition that people use, and I use quite a lot, is this, you know, do you have a declining economy for two successive quarters? It was a definition that was invented for Lyndon B. Johnson in the 1960s, although he never actually, they don't use it much in America, we used it a lot here. And yeah. originally, if you remember, we thought that the second and third quarters of last year would give us that recession. And, and it was partly because of the extra bank holidays that we had then, you know, one for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and then the second, very sadly, for the Queen's Queen's funeral. But um, but it didn't happen. We, we, we declined in the third quarter of last year. We were flat in the... Uh, in the final quarter, and it looks as though we might be up slightly in this in the current quarter. Look, looking at the data we've had very recently, so so I think we are swerving away from it slightly. It doesn't mean things are great. I mean, people are still under a lot of pressure yeah. because of high inflation and so on. It doesn't feel like a, a growing economy, but and it doesn't feel like that to a lot of businesses, which are still facing an energy price shock and so on, and also dealing with higher interest rates. But it could have been a lot worse, I think. Yeah, I was going to say on that point, the, the barometer for, if you like, the average person are things like interest rates. I mean, that's when you see it, you feel it, it's tangible, uh, it's right in front of you. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's easy to forget that we went through this very long period where interest rates were, official interest rates were pretty close to zero. So, you know, they were cut to half a percentage point by the Bank of England in March 2009. And then right up to December 2021, when they were still down at 0.1%, we had extremely low interest rates, never above 1% over that period. And that's a long way below average. Until the financial crisis, we'd never had bank rate below 2%. And it's been around for more than 300 years. So, yeah. so that was exceptionally low. And of course, over the last 12 months, we've seen rates go up quite a lot. And is there a sense that they will kind of remain in in that place for a while? Uh, the, the smart money seems to suggest they might not go up anymore, but that doesn't mean they're coming down. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite proud of my predictions in this area because, you know, back in uh, late September, early October, the markets thought after that mini budget, the quasi quartering mini budget, that you know, bank rate might have to go up to six. That was my favourite budget, David. Oh, what, yeah. a great, what a great budget that was, wasn't it? Goodness me. <laughs> it was very enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, markets thought, you know, we might have to have a bank rate of six or seven percent. I thought at that time four percent would be about the peak. We're at four percent now. I think we're pretty close to the peak. The debate is in the uh, in the markets whether we have another quarter of a point next month. But I don't think we'll have any more than that. I think we're pretty close to the peak now. I, I don't. I think we're going to have to hold our breath a little bit before they start coming down. Because I think once 
having got them there, having got them to a higher level, the Bank of England is not going to rush to cut them. So I think we might have to get used to, to rates being higher than they have been for quite yeah. a long time. We've had some really extraordinary kind of, I, I don't know, there's, somebody said to me the other day, recessions ain't what they used to be, uh, or downturns. When when there was a downturn, you had inflation obviously soared, and what came along with it was, was unemployment. And we didn't really see that in 2008 in any big way. And are we seeing that now? Because it seems employment levels are, in fact, not only stable, but they're crying out for people to do jobs. Yeah, this is highly unusual. I mean, when Rishi Sunak was uh, was Chancellor, I remember talking to him about the furlough scheme. Of course, we never had anything like that before in the UK. It was introduced um, uh, really right at the start of the, the pandemic. And I think his hope then was that could he prevent unemployment from rising too much? I think the last thing he expected was that we would emerge from the pandemic with the kind of labour shortages you just mentioned, high level of vacancies, you know, more vacancies than unemployed people. And that's something that really never happens. So it shows just how tight the labour market is. And I think it's one reason to be relatively positive about the economy. When you've got an unemployment rate of less than 4%, 3.7%, lowest since the first half of the 1970s, yeah. and you've got a lot of vacancies out there, the one thing that, you know, people have plenty of worries, but they worry about inflation, they worry about the economy, uh, whether we're going to have a recession or not. But they don't particularly worry at the moment about whether they're going to find a job because the job market is very tight. There are plenty of jobs there, as I say, more vacancies than there are unemployed people. So, And this is hugely unusual. You know, we don't know, Even after the, after the financial crisis, unemployment went up somewhat, but not as much as in previous recessions. And we seem to have managed quite well in this. And of course, one reason for this is that it's something I've written about for the for the for the Times lately is that um, we've seen uh, a lot of people drop out of the labour market, particularly yeah. older people. You know, yeah, that over fifties group, which exactly, seems to yeah. have like removed themselves from the workforce. Precisely. You know, most of it is not. You know, most of it is because they. Um, it's not that they've all decided to spend time on the golf course. I think a lot of it is related to long-term sickness. Maybe they're waiting for operations or other treatments yeah. because, you know, we've got a big waiting list on the NHS. But it is highly unusual to see us emerging from, you know, the recession we had in 2020 was the uh, was the biggest fall in GDP since the Great Frost of 1709. This was, you know, 11% drop in GDP, you know, a lot of it caused by lockdowns, of course. But even so, to emerge from that with low unemployment is is highly unusual. And, it, and I think it shows that there's quite a lot of resilience there. Yeah, indeed. And, and the reason I, I raise that issue of, of, of employment is because this podcast, of course, is about property and the housing market. And that is a factor, right? It is a factor, yeah. I think the two most important economic drivers of, uh, of what happens in the property market are interest rates and unemployment. And if you think back to the, uh, some of the great property recessions we've had in the past, uh, you think back to the, uh, for example, the early 90s. You know, in the early 90s recession, it wasn't particularly big in terms of the drop in, uh, in the, the size of the economy. It was really big in terms of the housing market because we had a combination then of really high interest rates. We had uh, uh, unemployment going up a lot. So unemployment went back to above 3 million as a result of that recession. And people were forced to sell. So you had this wave of 
repossessions. People couldn't keep up with the mortgage payments once they were uh, once they became unemployed, and that's why you saw really big falls in house prices of the order of thirty or thirty five percent over that period, and negative equity remaining for much of that decade uh, and we don't talk about negative equity much now because we haven't had it for a long time and um, so the combination of those two things high interest rates unemployment were deadly for the housing market at that time and the fact we've you know we've seen interest rates go up but not enormously not you know not to the into the teens that we had in that in that era and we and as we've just been discussing unemployment is thankfully staying very low and in terms of the housing market more generally, we hear about downturns and drops in certain areas and not others, etc. What what's the kind of the the overall view on it, David, at the moment? Because it it it's a robust old beast, isn't it? Our housing market, it, whatever you throw at it, somehow it manages to pick itself up, dust itself down, and carry on. And although there might have been a hit in some areas, uh, it certainly doesn't appear to have been devastated. Yeah, it is robust, and I think what the and the you know you look at the official figures from the Office of National Statistics for house price inflation. It's still around about ten yep. percent uh, at the end of last year. Um, other measures of show show prices coming down a bit, but there's a lot of resilience there. I think what's happened to the housing market. The story of the housing market at the moment is that there was obviously a big scare after that. Uh, you know, our joint favourite uh, mini budget back in September when. <laughs> Mortgage rates went up and people got really scared there. And, and you look at the numbers and people's appetite and interest in the housing market really went away for, for a few weeks after that. So mortgage approvals, you know, new, new mortgages approved to, to, uh, to borrowers went down very sharply at the end of last year. But, but things seem to be settling down now. You know, we're getting better and lower mortgage rate products coming back onto the market. The, uh, there's, there are signs that buyers are coming back in. There's not a lot of forced selling going on, so I think the I think the market is is healthier and um, and more stable than people gave it credit for. You know, you didn't have to look very far at the end of last year for predictions of really sharp falls in house pricing activity. But I think all that was overstated. There is a, a modest correction going on. There has been a modest correction going on, but I don't think it is any anything more extreme than that. And I remember also this in, in, in 2008 as well, where there, you know, there was clearly some demonstrable evidence that things had taken a hit. But even there, the, the, a lot of the predictions, and they're, they're, they're kind of similar to now this sort of dystopian idea that we're looking at an obliteration of prices coming down 30 percent there's literally no sign that's going to happen right no there's no sign of that and uh, of course one thing that happened in the financial crisis was that um, as i've just been mentioning interest rates came down very sharply and we saw interest rates of the kind we hadn't really seen before you know really very low interest rates so that held the housing market then this time i mean we shouldn't you know one thing you know we've both been uh, having a laugh about that uh, that mini budget, but one thing that remains from it is the uh, stamp duty reduction that was announced then, which is which is helpful. Uh, and the, and uh, and as I say, although interest rates and mortgage rates are higher than they were, we're in a different world in terms of the you know what we were used to uh, in the past was that every time bank rate went up or base rate went up, we we had to increase our monthly mortgage payments. These days. Most people, the vast majority of people are on fixed rate mortgages and they, you only have to roll those over after a certain time, you know, when, when your deal becomes due for, for renewal. And, you know, roughly 300,000 households a quarter have to do that. But it's not the same as everybody being hit 
at the same time by higher interest rates. Some are, most aren't. It's a, it's a more gradual process than in the past. So, Do you remember those, those heady days of waiting to see? And it wasn't even remarkable or controversial, was it? You know, your, your, your mortgage was 300 quid a month, whatever, and then you waited to see what the interest rate did. Oh, it's gone up to 360. Yeah. Oh, it's, got, it's gone down to 290. It, was, there was, there was no, it wasn't even a talking point, really, yeah. just, just the way it worked. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, when, when I first um, joined the Times, I, I still write for them, but I mainly write for the Sunday Times now, but I, uh, one of my first months there, we started with uh, uh, official interest rates, base rate at 9.5%. We ended the month with it at 14%, and that happened in two or three jumps. And I can remember being at home, and in those days, I think it was the Woolwich we had our mortgage with, they would write to you every time the, yep. you had to change the mortgage payment. And, uh, and you know, by the end of that process, when we, were, when we were into very high interest rates, I think all of us were feeling a bit bruised and battered by that. It was, uh, it was pretty painful. But then it took a tumble again. So, yeah, <laughs> but exactly. it took a little bit of time. So what about this? You're back to house prices then. Is there, is there a way to kind of, to sort of estimate what the next 12 months might be in terms of a rebalancing, what that could mean in terms of drop? Yeah, I, I think uh, at most uh, we will see prices, you know, 5 or 10% lower uh, over the year. It may be less than that, but I don't think it'll be any more than that. And uh, I, so so quite modest. I think the the difference may come with... Um, you know, in, in terms of level of transactions and activity, because I think it's going to take a little bit of time before they start to recover. I think at the moment you've got a kind of standoff between buyers who are a bit scared of higher mortgage rates and sellers who don't want to sell into a uh, into a market that they don't see as yeah. particularly strong. So, so in that respect, I think the you know the main effect will be on lower will be in terms of lower transactions rather than much lower prices. Sure, and, and that issue of landlords and lots of landlords listening to this. We hear varying stories of landlords getting out of the industry. And, of course, at the moment, you know, you, one could reasonably argue that you need more landlords out there um, in, in terms of property-based issues and, and, and difficulties with people finding places to live, et cetera. Well, what is the, that, that picture looking like then, private yeah. landlords selling up? I mean, is, there, is, is that true? I think it is true to an extent. But, I, I, you know, what, what we're seeing in the rental market at the moment is that a lot of bigger players are moving into that. Into you know, some of the financial institutions, insurance companies, and so on are building homes to rent and, and moving in and you know becoming big, quite big rental property owners. Uh, and you know, some some of them are adapting the kind of um, models that have been used to, in student accommodation. To uh, you know, and student accommodation has been a great success story over over the years because we've seen such a a huge expansion of the um, of the of the student uh, population, but I think what, it, what you know for for smaller landlords, some of them you know will see higher mortgage rates and all the other things that are being visited upon them by by government, including you know the end of no fault evictions, the um, you know the energy price certificates, all those yeah. things that they need to to do. The you know this this really started when George Osborne was was Chancellor in terms of reducing the attractiveness of being a landlord, particularly a small scale landlord who's got other yeah. things on their plate. They can't, you know, they can't devote all their time to dealing with this bureaucracy. So I think for some of them, you know, mortgage rates may be the, you know, higher mortgage rates may be the uh, the straw that bakes the camel's back. But I, I think, think Osborne probably or possibly had 
you know, to some good intent in what he was trying to do, because this appeared to be an oversaturated market and everybody was delving into it and we were moving into an era where every other person was inheriting a house from a grandparent or whatever. Um, and I guess he was trying to address some of that, but in doing so, uh, you know, probably gave a good old kick in the shins to, you know, almost the accidental landlord who was just renting out one property. Yeah, precisely. And I think it was, you know, I, 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 I take your point. I think, I think it probably was quite well-intentioned that the... The government was under a lot of pressure from, you know, Generation Rent, uh, who felt, that, you know, they were, you know, they weren't be well treated by the by the market. But the, of course, the effect of this, and the effect of this, as you see with rent controls in Scotland, is to limit the supply of um, of rented property, which which young people need. You know, they they need that, and you know, we, we all needed that as a stepping stone uh to to home ownership if you know and that's st- still the ambition of a lot of people so so i think there is a great danger of unintended consequences with these interventions and you know it it has been one thing after another for for landlords i think and they've been they've been quite quite you know they f- they feel quite bruised by it i think and and for i say for some of them it's uh, you know enough is enough just a final point, David. Uh, Landlord Investment Show takes place in March. Um, I'll be attending that. I know you've been to many of these, uh, a great ambassador for the show in that respect. Uh, what are the key benefits of attending uh, a, a, an exhibition, a show like this? It's a pretty big affair. It's a sort of must-go-to moment in the property calendar, as it were. What, what's your take on all of that? Yeah, I always like to hear what uh, what people in the landlord community are saying they're always a they're a very friendly bunch, a very outgoing bunch. For some reason, I always um, I always have to pose for loads of selfies with with people there, and um, I don't know what, <laughs> I, hope, I hope they erase them pretty quickly afterwards. But I, I like it, and I think you, and you get to see what's um, what's available, uh, you know, from the from, in the stands for landlords to be able to you know yeah. you know tools to do to to manage the kind of things I've just been talking about, you know the the bureaucracy and so on. And uh, it's a good thing to do if, you, if you're if you part of that community. Good work. David, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. David Smith, Economics Editor at The Sunday Times. Talk Property with Ian Collins. Brought to you by Property Notify, the UK's leading source of property sector news. Are you a landlord, investor or thinking about getting into property? If so, then the National Landlord Investment Show is perfect for you. Attend our free one-day events across the UK and immerse yourself in an environment rich in property-based information, services and opportunities to grow your portfolio. Whether you're interested in landlord tax advice, finance, legal issues, insurance, investment opportunities or the latest prop tech, you'll find everything you could ever need at our shows. For more information and to register for your free show tickets, visit landlordinvestmentshow.co.uk. National Landlord Investment Show, the UK's number one landlord and property investment exhibition.